you have a Bible with you, this morning we'll be looking at Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. If you don't have a Bible, you should be able to find the text in your order of worship, or you can use your phone or anything else you'd like. So I say to you, hear the word of God. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and who had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that as we uh, consider this text, that you would um, open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, even this morning. Uh, Those among us who don't have eyes to see the gospel, those among us who have never uh, heard uh, really with the ears of their heart, I pray that you would open them. I pray that you'd be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen and amen. Well, I believe this is the second to the last sermon in this, this series that we've been doing called Be Healed. And basically, it's the healing miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And really what we've been doing is looking at these miracles to see what they say about Jesus in some sense more than uh, what it just means to be healed. And this morning we're, we're going to talk about Jesus' healing of a deaf man. Now for me, th- this, it strikes close to home, right? If, if, if you know anyone if you, or if you have any kind of uh, hearing impairment, which I do. So when I, was, when I was a kid, I survived meningitis twice. And in the, in the process of that, uh, I, had, I had some minor hearing loss. So I've had tinnitus or ringing in my ears for as long as I can remember. And if you've never had that, there are some days I remember <laughs> I would daydream about a day when I wouldn't hear that ringing anymore. I hear it right now. So if you, if you, if you have trouble hearing, right, it's, it, you read these passages and it strikes home. I mean, in just the way it affects your, your life. So a few years ago, I went to, finally, I thought, I need to get some help with this. I went to an audiologist, and she came out, and I was amazed. She came out, and she told me the unit of the army that I served in. She said, did you, did you serve in this unit? And I said, how could you know that? And she showed me my hearing loss and said, you guys are all the same. <laughs> and so now, I went from having minor hearing loss to having pretty significant hearing loss. And if you don't know what that's like, Sort of, you could ask my wife, right? I can't think of how many times um, we've had disagreements where she'd say, didn't you, I told you this, don't you remember that? And I'll say, I didn't hear you. Now, sometimes I just didn't listen. (laughs) But sometimes I just didn't hear. It affects, like, everything. I don't go to that many uh, parties because you know when you're in a room with a lot of people talking, I can't hear anything. I mean, so, so it really begins to affect your life. How many of you guys watch used closed caption on TV? Right? I do. <laughs> right? 
I'd have to, or else I wouldn't know what was going on. And so it really affects your life. Some, I, I was reading this week, many doctors say that being deaf is more difficult than being blind, which I wouldn't have guessed that. And now if you think, so, so here we are. Oh, and by the way, on Sunday mornings, what's interesting, it's because of all the mics, I can only wear one hearing aid. So I don't hear half of what you say. <laughs> now imagine you lived in a date and time where there were no hearing aids, there weren't any, anyone who could do anything for you, and you were, instead of just having significant hearing loss, which affected your whole life, you were just deaf. Well, this, this morning we're looking at Jesus' healing of a deaf man, and we know that he was not born deaf. Because the word that's used, it says he was deaf and he had a speech impediment, which means at some point in his life he must have been able to hear and learn to speak, but then he lost his hearing and over the course of time his, his speech became muddled and he, and he couldn't speak anymore. So as we look at this, it's going to be interesting. So I'm, I'm going to do something pretty wild this morning. So we're going to ask the question this morning, what does it take to heal a deaf person? And what we're going to do this morning, what I'm, what I'm going to attempt this morning is, is going to be the, the, if you're a Presbyterian pastor, would be the, the equivalent of trying to jump the Grand Canyon, okay? Because at this point, you would expect me to say, now we're going to look at how many things? Three things. So when I ask this question, how, 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 what does it take to heal a deaf person or how many things? Hintzy? Ten things we're going to look at this morning, right? I heard that. We're going to look at ten things this morning, right? And so now you know, like I told people this week, I said, I think I'm going to really push it and add, a, add some extra points this week. And they said, you're going to go up to five? Ten. So my guess is it's going to be just like Evil Knievel jumping Snake River Canyon. That getting air isn't going to be a problem. It's the safe landing. So we'll see. Um, and we're just going to sort of walk through the text. There are 10 different things that happen here that not just show us what it takes for a deaf person to be healed, but really what does it mean for someone to have their ears opened that they can actually understand who Jesus is. So we're just going to walk through here. So as we consider this, the first two things it takes, you see in verse 31, it takes incarnation and preparation. Notice verse 31. It says, then he, he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. So if you remember the context, Jesus is in Gentile territory. He's, he's in Tyre, and Tyre is, remember Josephus said Tyre, uh, the, the inhabitants of Tyre were the most bitterest enemies of Israel. So Jesus has been there, and remember last week he healed the, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was uh, possessed by a demon, and so now he's sort of making his way back toward Jerusalem, and he is in the Decapolis. And so what do I mean when I say the first thing it takes for a deaf person to be healed or to, to hear is it takes incarnation. Jesus actually went to these places. In other words, Jesus' physical body, he went to Tyre where this woman, the Syrophoenician woman was. He went to, to this region of Sidon where the uh, deaf man was. That when I talk about incarnation, people are typically one by incarnation. That is, by the fact that, that someone is there with them to talk to them. If Jesus had never gone to these regions, these people would never have come into contact 
with Jesus. So it takes Jesus' physical appearance in these places to be there. And so also, just from a spiritual perspective, it takes Jesus' incarnation for us to hear. Right? Because all of us are born spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. And the whole reason for the incarnation, for Jesus becoming a human being, is so that he could communicate the gospel to us sort of one-on-one, if you will, so that we could see it. So it takes incarnation uh, for people to be healed. It takes incarnation for people to be saved. But in this case, it also takes preparation. There's an implied preparation that happened here for people even coming, bringing Jesus, this deaf man. What was the preparation? Now, if you remember back in Mark chapter 4, Jesus healed a man who was possessed by a legion of demons, 2,000 demons. And remember when Jesus healed him, the man begged that he would go to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you stay and tell people what the Lord has done for you. And do you remember what it said? I call him legion. Remember what it says of legion? It says that legion went through all the Decapolis proclaiming what Jesus had done. And where is Jesus now? He's in the Decapolis. And so uh, Legion has been preparing people for the coming of Jesus. He's been preparing people to hear the gospel. He's been proclaiming all that the Lord has done for him. And in the context of proclaiming what the Lord has done for him, Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, people know that this is the guy who can take care of our problems. But it was the preparation that I think mattered. It's the preparation that, that got this guy even into the presence of Jesus. If, if Legion hadn't been preaching, would people have even known? So most of the time when people come, become Christians, when they, when they um, hear the gospel for the first time, it's because a lot of work has been done to prepare the way that maybe they don't even know. That most people become Christians through a series of many decisions. Right? They maybe they meet someone and they'll say, Oh, that's that guy, he's a pretty decent guy, right? Mini decision number one. They meet, then they then they realize that the person's a Christian. And they say, Well, he's a decent guy, in spite of the fact he's a Christian, right? Mini decision two. And then they realize he's they become friends with him, mini decision three, and so on. Until at some point they actually realize that they, they've trusted Jesus. But almost no one just Here's the gospel one time and trust Jesus. There's usually always this preparatory time that comes. That's what happens here. So you have to have Jesus there, but also you have to, there, there was a lot of preparation. And after the, the incarnation and preparation in verse 32, we see invitation next. Notice what his friends do in verse 32. It says, and they brought him, brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. So in this verse, you see that it takes invitation and it takes intercession. What happened? These people had to have invited this person to come with them to see Jesus because he wouldn't have heard, he wouldn't have heard Legion preach. He couldn't. He wouldn't have known what was going on. He might have known something big was happening, but unless his friends actually invited him and brought him to Jesus, he probably never would have come into contact with Jesus. So it takes an invitation in order to get people to Jesus. But the, but the great thing is, is that their job was over once they got their friend to Jesus. And if we are going to participate in other people coming to know Jesus and other people, uh, their deafness being healed, guess what our job is? It's simply to invite. It's simply to, to invite people into to, to the presence of Jesus, and to let Jesus do the work. You and I can't heal deaf people. We can't heal deaf people who are, who are 
physically deaf. We definitely can't heal people who are spiritually deaf. Jesus can. Our job is simply to invite them. And not only to invite, but it's to intercede. It's to ask Jesus to do it. Notice what they do. They bring their friend, and the, the, it says here that he was deaf and had a speech impediment. Just as a side note, that word speech impediment is only used one other time in the whole Bible. It, and it's used in, the, in the, the Greek Old Testament, and it's the passage that Ben used for the call to worship this morning. It's the passage in Isaiah 35. It says, when Messiah comes, he will, the, the, the blind will see it, the deaf will hear, and the mute will sing for joy. That I think Mark is trying to connect the fact that Messiah is here, and you're getting ready to see the mute, the, the one who, who cannot speak right, shout for joy, and to sing for joy. But notice what his friends do. His friends intercede on his behalf. It says they begged Jesus to bless him. How many people do we beg Jesus to bless? Do you, do, you, do you pray for your friends? Do you pray for your family members? I mean, a lot of times you, you ask people and they say, ah, oh, my family's not Christians, or oh, you know, my friends aren't Christians. Do we ever pray for them? You know, probably two or three years ago, I've told you about, I've used, I use an app called Prayer Mate. Is I started just adding people to that thing, and it's amazing how many people I know who aren't Christians. All I can do is I can ask Jesus to save them. That's all I can do. I mean, I could talk to them. You know, you know a lot of times uh, we, tr we try to argue people into the, the faith. Have you ever done that? Well, guess what? It's incredibly frustrating to argue with a deaf person. Ask my wife. See, all of us, by nature, are spiritually deaf. And so all we could do, really, is bring people to the doctor and ask the doctor to fix them. So we see invitation, we see in, it, intercession. And what, what comes next in verse 33 and 34? We see consideration, communication, and translation, right? <laughs> Notice verse 33, it says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. So the first thing you see is consideration or personalization. Jesus, remember, remember Jesus could heal people from a distance. We just saw it. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? And he said, you know, the, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus was delighted with her answer. And he says, your daughter's healed. Like the daughter who is at home. <laughs> I love that answer. She's healed. Jesus could have done that. These people could have brought their friend to Jesus and begged him to bless him. And Jesus could have said, boom, you're, you're hearing now. But it's interesting. Jesus actually cared about this guy. That when, when he's going to win someone, when he's going to, to, to heal them, he actually contextualizes it. That he personalizes it. He pulls the man aside. And then Jesus, what you see is not just consideration of who this man is. Imagine this man. He probably doesn't know what's going on other than there's this big crowd of people. And they're swirling around this rabbi. And his friends have come. And all he has seen is they're talking to the rabbi. And suddenly, what's the rabbi going to do? Well, Jesus, the rabbi, takes the man away from the crowd by himself. And he communicates with him. You ever wonder why Jesus puts his fingers in his ears and touches his lips? He, he's, he's basically probably using sign language. How else is he going to tell this man what he is doing to him? 
I can, you know, Matt, what is he going <laughs> to, I was thinking this word of Jesus, like if, if Jesus was like us, he'd pull him aside and say, I'm going to heal you now, right? I'm going to, you're going to hear, right? He would yell. Not Jesus. I just imagine pulling the man aside and just touching his ears. I'm going to, I'm going to fix your ears. And it's interesting, his communication is very contextualized because in, in, the, in the pagan world, um, the spit of magicians and the spit of healers was thought to be, he, have healing power. And so what Je- when Jesus, what, you ask, why did Jesus spit and touch it to the man's lips? He was communicating to the man with sign language that I'm a healer. I'm going to he- fix your ears and I'm a healer. I'm going to fix your lips. And everywhere, if you're, if you're, familiar with people who struggle with their, their hearing, if you've ever taken sign language, which I have, uh, sign language is not just hands, sign language is also facial expressions are very important. And so did you notice what Jesus does? He puts his fingers in his ears, he touches his, his tongue, and then it says he looks up to heaven. I can, the man is looking at him and Jesus looks up. He didn't have to look up in order to pray. Jesus prayed all the time and you never hear the fact that he looked up. He's looking up to tell this man that's where it's going to come from. I'm going to heal your hearing. I'm going to heal your speech. It's coming from there. And he sighed. And the only re- reason we, that we think Jesus sighed is because it, just the brokenness of this world, the fact that this man is deaf and not able to speak is just not the way things are supposed to be. But we also know that it, Jesus, in his compassion, he actually cares about this guy. So he has communicated with him. And then what's interesting here is, is in order to, it, it, the, the sort of the big narrative here, we see translation. So we see consideration of this guy. We see Jesus doing everything he can to communicate with this guy, what he's going to do. But then Mark does something interesting. You know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, are Gospels, which means they're literature that's about the good news of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called evangelists. And the reason they're called evangelists is because they want people to trust in Jesus. And what you see here from Mark is a great principle of helping people to understand what is going on. The readers understand. Because Mark's original readers would have been probably Roman. They probably would have spoken uh, Greek or Latin. And notice what Mark does there. He says to them, uh, Jesus sighed and he said to him, Epatha. He could have stopped there. He says, that is, be opened. Mark is translating that so people like you and I can know what Jesus has actually said to this guy. And he says, be open. And it's interesting because the be opened is just directed at the man's person. It is, he doesn't say ears be opened or mouth be opened. He says just to this man, be opened. In other words, almost spiritually speaking, be changed. And what's the result of, of the consideration, the communication, and the translation? Well, the consideration, communication, translation leads to restoration. Notice what it says in verse 35. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Now, it's interesting. He could have said his ears were opened and his tongue was released, period. But it's almost as if he wants to say his ears were opened and his tongue was released. How do we know that? He spoke plainly. Imagine the, the first thing he heard was Jesus saying, be opened. And I wonder what the first thing he said was. 
But, but what we see here is that because of what Jesus has done, this man has experienced full restoration. His hearing is restored. His speech is restored. Jesus has done what only Jesus can do, and that is restoration. And, it, and this is a picture of what Jesus does for us, spiritually speaking. That only Jesus can open our ears to hear the gospel. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because we hear all the time things like this, for example. So even last week um, in, the, in the Discover New Hope class, someone said, um, you know, we were at church for a long time, and when Tommy got here, I, I heard the gospel. Or you hear kids who grow up, you know, and say, yeah, I grew up in church my whole life and never heard the gospel until I got here. Well, that may be true, but that doesn't mean the gospel wasn't being preached where you were right? It means you just didn't hear it. And so that, that's important to know because someday, I, I, I was thinking about this week, and someday some kid will grow up in our church and they'll go to a different church and they'll take the new members class and they'll interview with the elders and they'll say, I never heard the gospel till I got to this church. That's because they didn't have ears to hear until they got to that church. Many of you have become Christians in our church. That's great, but that's because Jesus gave you ears to hear. Because what we believe is that Jesus come, saves us not by any of the works we do, not by anything, but he saves us by grace. And our condition is so bad, it is as if we were deaf and dumb. We don't have the ability to heal ourselves. You know what works? I could do all the works in the world, and it's not going to get my hearing any better. Something from the outside would have to come and miraculously change that. The same is true of our spiritual deafness. That it, only the, the Spirit of God opening our ears to be able to hear the voice of Jesus can change us. And that is what also is the only thing that can restore us. Is putting our faith. Now, now the question is, do you have ears this morning? Do you hear right now Jesus calling? Notice what happens after restoration, verse 35. So we see restoration, and then verse 36, what's the natural result of restoration? It's proclamation. In verse 36, Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Now, I realize there's prohibition in there, but that would have made it 11, and it's not nearly as cool as 10. So he prohibits them from preaching, and they can't help it. It says the more he told them not to, the more they did. And the word there is, is proclamation, it's preaching. That because of what had happened to this man, they could not help but tell people what Jesus had done. That's the natural outworking of Jesus changing someone. I remember when I became a Christian, I was, you know, I didn't grow up going to church and I became friends with some girls in my German class. And for four years, they invited me to go to this camp. And for four years, I said no. Finally, I said yes. And the first night of the camp, I heard the gospel, and I trusted Jesus. And it was like scales fell off my eyes. I mean, everything changed. And I remember riding home on the bus and asking the Young Life leader, and I said, you know, what, what now? I said, you know, I said Give, if this is true, why doesn't everyone tell people about Jesus? And he said, well, you know, some people are accountants, and some people are police officers, and some people are this, and some people are that, and, and some people tell people about Jesus. Now, I hope he just misunderstood my question. But I, didn't, I remember sitting there, I just became a Christian, I didn't believe it. How could you not tell people about what Jesus has done for you? 
If he really has changed your heart, if he has really saved you from your sins, if he has really taken away the guilt and power of sin, if he's done all of these things, and I'll just leave it to someone else to tell. Not me. Not these guys. Even when Jesus said, zip it, (laughs) they wouldn't. They proclaimed it wherever they went. And so the proclamation then leads to what? Notice what we see, the statement about Jesus and what he does in our lives. And it's basically a recreation. It says, and they were astonished beyond measure. And they're saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Most commentators think that's actually a reference to Genesis 1.31. What does Genesis 1.31 say? It's, a, it's after creation. It says he looked over all that he created and it was good. That God's creation, he did well at creation. Now what we see in Jesus, if, if God is the one who creates, then after the fall, Jesus is the one who recreates. If because of the fall, the, this the particular man is deaf and mute, it is because of the, the work of Jesus, which has the same power that God used at creation to recreate this man. And that same power is at work in the church today. That same power is at work in our lives. Have you experienced it? Have you experienced Jesus changing your heart? You see, because what ultimately happens here is Jesus becomes the deaf man so the deaf man could hear. He becomes the blind so the blind could hear. Last week, remember Jesus said it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Jesus became the dog so that the woman could become a child. You see, Jesus bears the curse so that you and I can bear the blessing. Have you trusted him? Have you believed that Jesus lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died? And because of that, now you're able to hear, you're able to see, and you're actually able to sing his praises. Let me close with this. I remember when I first got my hearing aids. I think I've told this story before. I remember. So I finally go to the hearing place, and they put you in like a little soundproof room, and and you get your hearing aids, and they sort of dial them in. But you're in a soundproof room, so it really doesn't matter. And I, I'll never forget the guy. It was at Costco, the, the, the Costco Hearing Center. And when we were all finished, and he's like, are you ready to go out of the soundproof booth? And I said, yeah, I guess. And he stood up, and he had this huge smile on his face. And he opened the door with a flourish. And I thought it just seemed strange, because he seemed like he's getting ready to watch a show. And I walked out, and I was overwhelmed. I could hear the carts rattling. I could hear kids. I could hear pitter-pattering. I could hear everything. And I looked over, and he was like, <laughs> yep. In other words, he, he lived for that moment to see when someone finally got it. When someone finally could hear, they've been going their whole life and they've, they've been missing all of these things and now they got it. When you finally hear the gospel, I promise you, that will be your experience. That will be your experience. That Look at all of the things that I have been missing that now I've been given in Jesus. Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would come and where we are deaf, um, you would enable us to hear. Where we are blind, I pray that you would enable us to see. I pray even today that you would, uh, you, you would unstop ears, that people might come to know Christ. In his name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. <laughs>